Ashtanga. In the mountains of the Himalayas, where we spent 13 years, fitness and good health were naturally maintained. We were more concerned with the complete art, what yoga was really made for, as a means for a human being to transform to a Buddha. More and more people are beginning to understand that all questions, all search, all the effort we put in, in going after milestones and goals, is just for one precious thing, happiness. It might seem on the surface that a beggar begs for alms, but what he experiences when someone treats him kindly and he blesses that person is an expression of his happiness. So it can be said that whatever it is we run after, it is in a sense a pursuit of happiness. Why not consider taking it up more systematically then? Let's look at each of the eight limbs now. Yama, the restraints. When man wakes to this world with one act of kindness and goodwill, a few words of truth heard or uttered, an earnestness in everyday dealing with a strong intention of giving, therefore a non-hoarding of surplus. The yama and niyama are the restraints and the affirmations and directly address the happiness factor. We have two drives. The first drive is survival and the second drive is the drive for happiness. The survival drive is what helped the species of Homo sapiens to climb up the hierarchy of the animal kingdom and become the dominant species. Today, human beings face no threat from the animal kingdom and yet this survival instinct runs very strong and deep. Yama are not merely moral or ethical codes. They are restraints we place on the operation of the survival instinct. Because as animals, we have fought and killed our way to the top. Just like today the lions and tigers do in the forest. We too were forest dwellers once and we needed the qualities of aggression, deceit, stealth, dissipation of energy, say on a hunt, and hoarding of food and other material. In fact, if we look at wars to this day, it is based on our inherited urge to dominate, which we now apply on our own species. And we know the dangers of war very well. So Ashtanga starts with placing restraints on this drive. These are not qualities to be ashamed about, because they are part of our DNA. These are to be restrained and then channeled in a different direction. And that is what the five Yama do. The Yama are called the Great Vow, taken for life under all circumstances. Because that is the importance the seers placed on this enormously powerful drive called the survival instinct, 
which is embedded in our nervous system as the fight or flight response. We experience it as the adrenaline rush. And we can see what happens when we channelize it, like the athletes, martial artists and mountaineers do. The Yama are five, Ahimsa or non-aggression. When you are established in Ahimsa, you lose all aggression. Satya or non-deceit. The science that you are established in Satya is that whatever you do will meet with success. Asteya or non-stealth. When you are established in Asteya, you get access to the riches of the world. Brahmacharya or non-dissipation. When you are established in Brahmacharya, you become heroic. Aparigraha or non-hoarding. When you achieve Aparigraha, you get knowledge of your past. To conclude, the Yama are not suppression of our natural survival instinct. It is only restraining them, placing them under our control. If there is an existential threat, we still need to rouse this. So it is like placing a cap on a ferocious dog like a Rottweiler's mouth to be set free in the night to guard your home. It is not trying to make it a peaceful lamp. The Sutra clearly state that the way to control this drive is to take counter position. It is actually a very mental thing to do. The same aggression that comes with the survival instinct is to be used on itself. This is the fundamental insight of the Yama about how to deal with the survival instinct because the sympathetic nervous system is very powerful and its own power can be used to tame it. And slowly, this effort becomes completely mental. As we dwell on the five yama, we become aware of the roots of thoughts and emotions that make us aggressive and we develop the ability to counter them mentally before we have acted. This results in a great sense of confidence and conservation of energy, making you feel empowered. Niyama, the affirmations. When man wakes unto himself, unburdened through body-mind orderliness, there arises a sense of contentment, thus a resolve and strength in movement. Beginning to study one's own conduct with a trust in the Almighty's guidance, one arrives at a yogi's doorstep to further an edification. So on one hand, we are restraining the survival drive through Yama. On the other hand, we have to awaken the happiness drive. We have to arouse it, make it stronger, 
Because so long as the survival drive is running strong, our sympathetic nervous system is dominant, we will not be able to give enough space to the happiness drive, which is as much embedded in our genetic code. And so this needs affirmative action. And by doing this, we strengthen the response of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is also called the rest and relaxation or the eat and digest response. When we do this, we begin to regain our zest for life, our ability to dream. We begin to want the best for ourselves. Stress levels go down. We begin to enjoy life. We become more sensitive, creative, and we become happy. So again, the niyama are not about simply following certain rules. They are about strengthening the happiness drive. The niyama are five. Shaucha, cleanliness. Shaucha results in indifference to one's habits and compulsions and lowering of vulnerability to external influences. And this happens by practicing mental purity. You become cheerful, develop single-pointedness, control over the senses. And this makes you amenable to a deeper experience of your own self. Santosha, contentment. Santosha results in limitless joy. Tapas, austerity. By practicing tapas, we cleanse the body and the sense organs. Swadhyaya, self-study. Swadhyaya results in communing with our chosen deity or an internal object like a chant or a symbol we are drawn to. Ishwara Pranidhan, being in sync with the creation principle. Ishwara Pranidhan results in experiences of deep states of absorption and joy. Asana. Now to enter the discipline, stability, well-being. Acquired through the stilling of the body vibration, limb to limb, head to toes, all pathways, openings under the mastery of the mind's will. Thus, we begin. So as we are working on our two basic drives, channeling the aggressive animal side through Yama and awakening and expanding the happiness drive through Niyama, we take on another powerful tendency through Asana, which is identification with the body. When we say, my body is me. The human body peaks in its 20s and from the late 20s, as it begins to decline, we will begin to feel insecure and by the time we enter the 40s, any small injury, accident, disease can evoke great existential fear. This is what we call 
the midlife crisis. And this is when we begin to think in terms of reversing age and so on. The Yoga Sutras say, stability and a sense of well-being is asana. We practice asana effortlessly by fixing the mind on the beyond. By the practice of asana, we stop the duality of the mind. We experience time and space because of the body. We experience that is you, this is me, because we are strongly identified with the body. By practice of ease and effortlessness with the body, the body stops constantly demanding our attention through pain in a posture or through disease. So as we practice asana, we progressively begin to feel lighter psychologically too. We stop being body-centric in our identities. While it has this paradoxical effect where we begin to love our bodies more, and become more accepting of its ways, its flaws, limitations and shelf life. When we misunderstand the purpose of asana to be making the body like a diamond, then we get more fixated by it. We want to have an eight-pack. We want to look like we are forever in our twenties. We have heard an old story. Once an adept challenged an enlightened teacher. He asked the best swordsman to have a go at his body. After much convincing, the swordsman did so with all his might. The story goes that the sword ricocheted off the body like it was made of metal. Now it was the turn of the spiritual master. And he too asked the adept to have a go at his frail old body. And it is said that the sword went through as though there was nothing there. This story may or may not be true, but it illustrates the real and false approaches to asana. The idea of practicing asana is to make the body a non-issue. Stability and comfort is asana. And by fixing the mind on something that is beyond the body, we slip into an awareness that maybe there is more to me than this perishable body. So the whole idea of asana practice is to maintain a basic level of fitness, flexibility and ease. And that in itself will free us of an obsession with the body because as we learn to fix the mind beyond the body, we will then slowly realize that I am not the body. And that is how the strong sense of duality, of you and me, of separation begins to cease. We are then ready to enter the heart of the matter. Prana, the vital life force, is located in the heart area. The Yoga Sutra says that the heart is the doorway to the being. And so pranayama allows us to get access to the prana and through it we pierce the barrier of thinking, I am the body.